0: Hi team, welcome back to Becoming a Doctor. I'm Kira, a third year medical student at the
1: University of Birmingham. And I'm Lucy, a second year medical student at the University of Cambridge. Welcome back to our podcast series where we bring you honest insights about life as a medical student, discuss current affairs and talk to guests to inform and motivate you on your journey to becoming a doctor.
0: Before we jump into this episode, make sure to subscribe to our podcast, follow us on social media at a Doctor with Dr. Dr. where we'll be posting behind the scenes, doing live Q&As and much more. So welcome back to the podcast, everybody. And today we've got a very special guest. we have joined by Dinardin. And um, Arden has not the conventional route into medicine. However, I personally found his story very inspiring. So hopefully you guys will learn a lot from it and equally be inspired. And without further ado, just invite you, Dinardin, to introduce yourself to the listeners and tell them a bit about you.
2: First of all, hi Kira and Lucy. Thank you very much for calling me onto the podcast as well. I was, uh, I was really excited when you said that you wanted me to share the story and you know reflect back on medical school because I love a bit of reflection. Um, <laughs> and hi to people listening as well. So my name is Jonathan Selathore and I've just graduated from Warwick Medical School. And prior to this, I did an undergraduate degree at biomedical, in biomedical science at St. George's University. And yeah, I'm going to be working here in Coventry. So I'm just going to be staying in the area where I've actually just done medicine and I've just really enjoyed the West Midlands so I've become well from being a London boy to a West Midlands boy now.
0: What? Coventry's in West Midlands?
2: Yeah Coventry's in West Midlands it's not that far from Birmingham it's about 20-30 minutes you should know.
0: My, my geography is not good I actually thought it was more <laughs> anyway okay <coughs> mind point so let's, think, let's start about when did you first want to do medicine and what did you do when the thought first popped into your head?
2: Right. Um, For me, I think the idea of wanting to do medicine came about around 2009. I think I was in year 11. And at that time, I wasn't really too sure about what I wanted to do. I knew I had an interest in the sciences. And to be fair, it was like, I, I also enjoyed maths business and all of these other things going on as well. But it was during the time of when the when there was a civil war happening in Sri Lanka, so there was always the, the background news going on at home explaining what was happening. And whilst I was having lunch, there was a doctor who came um, who came onto the actual news channel, and he was talking about how how there was a lot of people losing their lives directly because of the war itself, but also indirectly due to a lack of healthcare professionals. And he was just pleading for doctors from from abroad essentially you know being like if you guys are working as doctors please come and help out back here in Sri Lanka we really need people and it was at that moment where I could see, I mean I wasn't born in Sri Lanka but my roots are from Sri Lanka <laughs> and that just kind of strung a chord of just feeling helpless um, at that time and that just made me kind of realize the impact that doctors can have within those kind of drastic situations but you know that's where it, where I initially had the spark And then I decided to obviously go down the route of work experience, try and see uh, if I can actually envision myself in those elements as well. So when I was doing work experience in a hospital or a GP, I tried to not just follow the doctors around and see what was happening, but also in a way visualize myself being in that role, seeing if I can enjoy doing those things um, and just see how also the time went by. I think a good metric for me to see during that week was, oh, did it feel like the week in itself was a bit of a drag or did I actually really enjoy it? And I enjoyed those elements so there was that aspect of it and then you know I just thought why not give it a go the the, uh, the school I was at at the time they were really supportive with the applications and when I actually went to the open days as well that further kind of stoked a desire to kind of to, to go into this route and the other thing I've known from a very young age is that I've always been more of a generalist or oh, I, I like to have variety because I tend to change my mind yeah. with a lot of things. And I realized that medicine actually offers that, not just in terms of the different specialties, but also <clears throat> the role of being a sort of clinician or going into research or teaching or even using the medical degree to then go into something else completely. So mm-hmm. I liked that there was that flexibility and not having to commit to anything because I was only what, 17, 18, at, you know, yeah. when it comes to the time of applying. And I felt like it was quite a big choice to make at that point. But I thought, you know, medicine might be a good thing to start going into
1: yeah and so it was then that you first applied to study medicine wasn't it can you talk to us a little bit about what that process was like for you did you get any offers and what happened
2: yeah so initially when I applied um, GCSEs went quite well for me so that wasn't too much of a restriction when I thought when it came to the A levels as well the AS. Like it was, it was AS and A2 at that time. So AS went quite well. So the predicted grades were in my favor. And when I went to the open days, there were, for some reason, UCL was just the thing that really stuck with me. But the only issue I had when I was thinking about UCL, Kings, I can't remember the other university, UCL, Birmingham, Kings, and I think it might have been Southampton off the top of my head. I can't remember now specifically. It feels like it was a while away. So when I, when I talked about this, UCL being my top choice with the careers advisors at the school, they were really adamant against me applying because they thought I wasn't really? going to the, yeah, get the grades I was going to have. And, um, and they felt like I wasn't putting in as much work. So it, re- it required a lot of work for me to actually get my predicted grades bumped up.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, and they advised me against it. But at the end of the day, I felt like, you know, I had to do what was true for me. And I just went along with that application, putting them first. And I think I put Birmingham... Second, or I mean, at that, actually, no, at that stage, you don't rank it, do you? You put all four of them down, yeah. and then I had interviews for um, I had interviews for all uh, I think three out of the four. And so, at the end of that, at the end of that whole application process, I got a offer from UCL and I got an offer from Birmingham as well. So, I put UCL as my firm and then conditional as the Birmingham, but then it came down to A levels, sat my exams. But on results day, turns out I didn't get the A I needed in chemistry. So I got all of the other grades, but I got a B in chemistry at that point. So this was also the year where it was your last chance to go into university for three grand uh, oh, yeah. for three grand a year. So it was really oversubscribed. So when I called up UCL, when I called up Birmingham, I was like, look, unfortunately, this is what's happened. Is there anything else that we can do that were like, we're so oversubscribed? Whereas in the past, they may have been able to kind of make some changes. So it just happened to be, unfortunately, one of those situations where... I didn't get into the first um offers and as as expected I was a bit distraught but the yeah. uh, the, the 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 thing that I felt like helped me pick myself up immediately there and then was just seeing how much more distraught my parents were and it might have been a positive or a negative thing because yeah you could argue that my parents should have been there for me as the pillars of strength but at the same time just seeing how upset my mum was I felt like I had to pick myself up so that she'd feel better about the situation and she was only upset we talk about it now and I'm like you know it was it was tough for me to pick myself up from that situation because you know you guys made it almost something that you were upset about but um, I feel like that helped me just kind of get back into that mindset. Mm. Um, I have a
0: question,
2: just a
0: quick question. So obviously that careers advisor, do you have any thoughts about how, I mean, their role in that scenario and their advice? And are you glad you kind of didn't listen to it? And do you like, because even though they gave you that advice, I don't know, there's some things with career advisors. I don't know many people that have had almost a really good experience and sometimes they can put people off. Yeah. So the
2: careers advisor we had specifically for medicine was also our head of sixth form. And the relationship mm-hmm. that I had with her, unfortunately, wasn't always the best because, you know, sometimes. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It just felt like one of those teachers who just had it in for you, if that if that makes sense.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, so we didn't have the best of relationships. But with the advice that I received from her, I was just trying to remind myself that it's just going to be her. Sort of opinions and her advice but ultimately she can't stop me from putting down the choices that I have put down and so I think the thing that distracted me whilst I was actually potentially revising or applying for the universities is when I got the offers there was a part of me that was just like yes this is the moment where the dark horse shines um, and you know I can, I can <laughs> almost like <laughs> I can yeah. almost I can almost kind of go like you know be, be an example of not necessarily having to be put down by what they were saying but that made it even more I think painful at the time when I didn't get the offer or didn't get it because it was almost then being like, I told you so.
0: Yeah, I guess it could have worked in two ways. Like if you're told, all right, listen, I don't think you're going to make it. It can either plant a seed of doubt in you. And if, even if you would have made it, you just destroy yourself questioning, am I good enough for it? Uh, Or the other way around, it can just put fire in your belly and make you go for it. So I guess it's hard to tell. I guess it depends on the person as well, but I can see how that advice maybe will really work for some people but not for others. Um, okay. So you got that advice. Um, didn't quite get any offers the first time around. Then your parents were obviously so invested in your journey. They were quite upset after as well. What happened next?
2: So at that point I had a really difficult decision to make because um, if it was the year before, I would have quite easily chosen a gap year without, mm-hmm. without a second thought about it. But this was the year where, if you delayed getting into university, the fees then triple. So in my head, I was Ugh. just like, well, I can either choose another, another degree like biomedical science or something that you can use as a step one to go in to medicine um, mm-hmm. at almost a third of the price if I had to do that the following year, or I can gamble on myself, take a gap year and hope that I get the grades that I needed during that sort of resetting period to then go into medicine straight. Mm and so the advice that I had at that point was to go into uh, was to go into doing biomedical science or another degree because yeah because it was three thousand pounds a year at that point and also there was the fear of whether I'd lose that kind of whether I'd lose my touch with staying like with the academic side of it yeah so that was a real concern and then also just the idea of what would I do in that gap year um so those thoughts were the counter arguments that I had but for me what felt true uh, it wasn't like a rational choice with a lot of the choices that I've made it's always come down from me just taking a bit of time out meditating seeing what feels right so I can't give like a scientific evidence-based approach as to how to make decisions here that I
0: was going to ask uh, because you've made you've obviously had to make a lot it's very interesting to see your strategy and obviously yeah it, it goes to show that there's no one right way to make decisions no matter what people tell you
2: yeah I guess I can be a bit in the clouds and be like, you know go with your gut. and that's that's the uh, that's that's the advice that I took for myself, and I was just like, you know what, despite what everyone else is yeah. saying up, it feels right for me to just go you know take a gap here. So I took a gap here, backed on my and backed myself to try and get the offers. and so I applied for East Anglia, Plymouth, and there were a couple of others. I can't remember again, but these were the universities that allowed you to reset an A level, not not all universities did and I think there was only four and I applied to all four of them and so at the end of the application process I managed to get one offer from East Anglia who wanted an A star uh, in chemistry so that made it so I was like okay you know from a B to an A star I just need to put in the work but that's the only exam I was resitting mm-hmm. and so whilst I was revising for that I also worked in Halfords for the whole year but the situation I had whilst I was working is you know I've really enjoyed Halfords and I was like oh is this why maybe i maybe <laughs> going get into medicine is Halfords my true calling but interestingly mm. I think what I realized is what I really enjoyed from Halfords and when it came to the interviews that's when I realized I was able to use a lot of those experiences in that is I enjoyed the whole you know communicating with people and identifying what the problems were that they came in with and then actually being involved with solving that
0: yeah
2: either directly through working on their car or actually finding the right product for them and lining it up that way and then also just working with the team and all of these different things and I realized actually the thing that is almost transferable is yeah all of the other side of the health working with cars but actually what I'd prefer with medicine is working with people not trying to I don't want to say fixing people but That's almost what we're trying to do, right? Working with disease and so on. And I transferred a lot of that. And so, yeah, so I I feel like that was an insightful year for me to go from health to be like, okay, yeah, medicine is something that I want to do. And that was a second point of reflection as well for me. I mean, at that point, well, anyway, um, I didn't, unfortunately, I I, I put in the work, but my chemistry grade only went from a B to an A. So I didn't Mm -hmm. make the offer again that year. And that was the second point where I then had to take time out again and be like, this is now the second time where I haven't made it into medicine. Is this something that I truly want to do? And I think that's what I've been grateful for, actually, along this journey. Each time I didn't get in, it gave me almost like a timeout for me to reflect on, am I, <clears throat> do I want to climb, the, am I climbing the right ladder? Is this something that yeah. I truly want to do? And I think at this point, it's just only reaffirmed my choice each time.
0: And so throughout your gap year, did you, did you submit your personal statement again that September time and then have to go through interviews again?
2: Yeah, I had to go through the whole cycle again. Um, but it wasn't too bad because, you know, obviously it was all quite fresh having done that, the UK cat, um, it all felt quite familiar.
0: Mm. And if
2: anything, I enjoyed having a lot of, I enjoyed having that time out.
0: Mm. Yeah. I guess that there's no more of an informed decision than if you'll keep like being forced to reflect, you know, yeah. I think you we probably come to a more informed decision than a lot of us have that just kind of decided and gone for it straight straightway through without having any things that cause us to question it.
2: Yeah, and I went to Sri Lanka as well during that year to do a couple of weeks of work experience in the hospitals there. So I continued that journey of work experience. And the thing that I've always shared with other people is for me anyway, work experience wasn't something that just helped me get more of an insight into medicine, but work experience was also the thing that I used as a way to reignite my sort of like motivation and desire to go into medicine as well. And I think that's something that we tend to overlook quite a lot of the time with work experience we think we need to have a certain set amount of 40 hours or something that we need to tick off for the exercise but for me whenever I felt like my motivation towards studying or towards working towards medicine was waning at those moments I'd just organize some work experience for me to go whether I talk about it in the interview or not that was a secondary Mm -hmm. thing but for me it was just my way of reconnecting to that journey
1: think that's such such a good tip because my course at the moment is so so traditional it's all about science and every time i'm thinking hang on am i even studying medicine or am i doing a biological sciences degree like what what is it that i'm doing and i think taking that time out to step back and go and work with people go and get some more experience in the hospital even though i'm already in medical school basically getting work experience again it is so so helpful to keep me keep me motivated and keep going even though it might feel like what I'm studying right now isn't helping me become a doctor in the future, it just sort of reaffirms my motivation to study for these exams that I need to pass to become a doctor. So I think that's such such good advice.
2: And I guess that's a useful point to think about as well, isn't it, when you're applying for medical schools and you think about the structure that each medical school has, depending on how you are motivated to study so for example Lucy it sounds like you're motivated by actually having more of those interactions with people then a course where you can see that you've got early patient contact might be something that might be more attuned to that person
0: Mm -hmm. yeah definitely I found um towards yeah especially like halfway through second year because it was both preclinical. I was like oh my god what am I doing to myself and when I got onto the wards on third year I was like you know what thank god I, I made the right decision I love it and honestly I, I came home buzzing my husband's like here I really want to hear about that person's tales," <laughs> but it just I, I felt myself come like come back and enthusiastic again so yeah, it's never underestimate the importance of just doing something not just for a tick box and that's why i think a lot of people fall into the trap of oh i'm going to work experience i have five days i need to see an mdt i need to see this see that and then actually they don't stop and feel and feel how do i feel in this environment they're just too busy trying to observe and gain stuff they can talk about later and writing stuff down that they're not actually mm-hmm. thinking you know it's this environment somewhere i'd like to be definitely
1: Okay so we've now, we're on our second try to get into medicine John Arden and unfortunately you've not got that A star in chemistry. So what did you do then?
2: So at that point I decided to uh, study biomedical science at St George's. I weighed this up against a couple of other courses so I think Newcastle also had a biomedical science course where at the end of the first year if you did really well you could transfer into medicine Uh, but I think in comparison to the other ones that I took a look at the reason why I chose biomedical science at St George's was that their transfer scheme was at the end of so you apply at the end of second year so you go through first and Mm -hmm. second year of biomedical science if you then do well in those two years you get an interview opportunity and if you do well in that you're allowed to finish your third year of biomedical science so you get a whole degree out of that Mm
0: -hmm.
2: and then you go into the third year of medicine which means that in total it becomes like a six-year medical course but you get a full three-year biomedical science bsc out of it so I thought that seemed yeah. like the best bang for buck, and then also Saint George's was only a fifteen-minute uh, bus journey for me, so it was actually closer to my house than secondary school. So I thought that would be a way for me to actually save money because obviously the fees had increased by yeah. threefold, and I've also got a younger brother. So he's thirteen at the moment, so at that time he was really small, and I wanted to be around actually to, you know, to be there for his the childhood. So all of those, I took all of those factors into account decided to do biomedical science at St George's and it was actually the best time of my life and you know the thing that I'm most grateful for the thing that the reason why I never regret the journey I've been on is just the people that I've met and sort of lifelong friends that I've formed Mm -hmm. from that university and it is it made me realize just how underrated St George's is especially even for like medicine I think you know I I get that for a lot of people it being placed in South London all of this it has it paints it it paints a different facade but I think Behind the, behind the mask, there's, um, you know, the things that I really enjoyed was the community vibe to it. There was always this spot outside the library where it's like a vortex. If you sat there, you could never get out of it because you always bump into <laughs> people who just come through. And, and then, yeah, so like the first couple of years in terms of the academic side of it, was the lectures were all in conjunction with the medical students. The only difference was the medics would then go into hospitals or into the community to practice what they've learned with oh. patients. We'd go off into the labs and apply what we've learned.
0: That's interesting, because that's not the case of like my uni, the biomed, it's very separate. Um, That's really interesting. And, you know, you mentioned that you you made loads of friends and you really enjoyed it. Do you think that had to do with the attitude you went into that course with? Because I I worry that some people might just think, you know what, I'm here, I'm going to medicine and just be very much like, just get this course over and done with. Were you kind of of that get it over and done with or were you I'm going to take my time and enjoy it? it
2: reminds me it remi- this reminds me of the first lecture that we had uh at, in biomed and one of the lectures were like you know how many of you guys are here to apply for medicine and literally mm-hmm. all of the hands went up so you can see there was that sense of like you know people focusing on that being like a step on course yeah. and I'd be lying if I didn't say that my focus was on obviously trying to get into medicine as well but at the same time I think a lot of the things that I had to remind myself is just accepting where I was and just trying to make the most out of it there's a difference between wanting to just jump onto the next hurdle without appreciating where you are and I was trying to be as conscious of trying to make the most out of that whole situation.
1: So once you joined your biomedical course then how did it work when you were trying to transfer into the medicine course at St George's?
2: Yeah so I'm not too sure if this is still this if this is still how it works uh, when I've talked to a couple of friends who have recently gone through the course I understand that the structure slightly changed but at the time when I was applying anyway the way they weighted each of the years was that the first year counted for 10 percent of your degree second year was 20 percent third year was 70 percent. For you to be eligible to uh, apply for the transfer scheme uh, amongst your first and second year you had to get an average of 66 percent. so that translates to a 2-1 so 2-1 is almost like the degree classifications you get within uh yeah within sort of like BSE's and other university degrees so you got first two ones two twos and then a pass i think um so yeah you had to get a 2-1 and if you average that you were then invited for an interview which was basically the mmi interview stations that they had I think for like normal undergraduate uh, applicants anyway, but it was slightly tailored towards the biomedical science students who were going into transfers. So that's where I had my third hiccup because I was having too much of a good time in my first and second year that I didn't actually end up getting the grades that I needed to be invited for the transfer scheme. So I was like, there we go. Third time. It hasn't worked out. And I remember when I got the results, I was just sitting to like, sitting down um, and just thinking to myself, it's the third time. Is this now a sign that I shouldn't be getting into medicine? what's going on here Um, and also obviously there was a fourth year that I had I mean a final year that I had to pick myself up for as well I couldn't be in the dumps for too long just you know throwing myself a pity party but it was yeah just I did my usual routine again well I didn't get but I think the difference this time is I didn't keep my parents in the loop with my plans each time which I think is a for some people they might be like oh was that with the support like you know it's questionable about the support and how it worked but I think personally for me it meant that there was less pressure in terms of what I was doing so they didn't know that I didn't get the transfer scheme it just made it easier for me to process what was happening and then yeah you know I was just like, okay cool so I didn't get the transfer scheme maybe it means that it gives me the opportunity to apply for other universities and to step out of St George's so you could call it I don't know uh delusional positivity or maybe re- but I, I, I saw it as reframing to be a bit more resourceful and to kind of pick myself up so I told myself okay but at that point anyway um, yeah so I knew the transfer was off the cards for me and so that's when I and this was we got the results I think around July so once again it was around the application period and this time I applied for the postgraduate courses so I had the choice of applying for either undergraduate courses or postgraduate courses to study medicine. But in terms of how the funding works, at the time, again, I don't know if things have changed. At the time, if you went into an undergraduate medical course, so five years, you had to self-fund it yourself, so nine grand every year. And there was no way I would be able to do that. Whereas with the postgraduate side of it, the funding scheme was that in the first year, you had to self-fund three and a half and student finance covered six and a half. And I've got the math wrong, five and a half. So that totals up the whole nine grand. And then in the second, third and fourth year, NHS covered the three and a half and then student finance covers right. the five and a half. So it was only the first year that I would have really struggled to try and accrue the yeah. three and a half um, to, to make it happen, but which I didn't have at the time as well, but weighing up the undergraduate and postgraduate route, postgraduate was the one I chose because of yeah the finances and also it was a shorter course, so four years. Mm-hmm. And then I had the choice to also decide between, because there's also an exam known as the GAMSET, which some postgraduate unis require. But with stuff that was going on that summer, I felt like instead of spreading myself too thin between revising for the UK CAT and the GAMSAT. I just gambled on the UK CAT, put mm-hmm. all of my eggs in that basket, which only restri- which restricted me towards the universities that I could apply to. Yeah. But it was essentially the ones that I wanted to go to anyway. So it was Warwick, Kings, Barts and Southampton. So they only needed the UK CAT. And that gamble paid off, fortunately. So I did quite well in the UK CAT. And there's also, I think before the application cycle closes, uk cat they release all of their scores don't they to show you what the percent where you can find yourself in the percentile so i knew that i was in the sort of top top percentile with my scores so i with that kind of with knowing that i knew i'd be guaranteed an interview that's what their requirements were they were like if you scored in the first two percentiles you were guaranteed an interview so knowing that i was able to kind of you know start preparing for interviews because that's the mistake i made i think in the previous ones, yes, I got offers and stuff before, but I feel like the mistake I was making is I wasn't practicing soon enough, or I was waiting for the invitation to come through before I start for, before I start preparing. So anyway, so final year I was balancing preparing for the interviews, but then that was also the year where I had to make up for the first two years of just having too much fun, and so you know I had that pressure on me as well, and then also just had like a couple of other things going on at um, at home with. Like my mum being a bit ill, having to look, look after my brother and all mm-hmm. of these things that were going on. But it was it was it was I think it was the year that was the most conducive towards my personal growth. And that was also the year where I made quite a bit of an attitude change in the sense of in the previous years, I felt like I had to do all of this stuff by myself. In the third year, I was like, you know what, let's try something different here. Because obviously what I've been doing hasn't always been helping. And so I kept my friends in the loop with it. Once again, I didn't tell my parents about me applying for these things because I didn't want to get their hopes up not because I just, you know, and put them through that pain. So I kept my friends involved. I got them a lot more involved. And I was, yeah, truly grateful for the support that I had because they were the ones who did the mock interviews with me. They were the ones who, you know, were able to be a true mirror, to be like, you know, these are maybe areas to focus on. This is something Mm -hmm. that is your strength and, there are times where I'd be lying if I wasn't you know, crippled with self-doubt about the whole process, especially with it being you know, three attempts where it hadn't gone well, and then this was almost like that mm-hmm. fourth shot. Um, but yeah, I was really grateful to have been invited to order the interviews. Uh, the thing that made it difficult is each, uh, I can't remember the order of them now, but the first three that I went to ended up with rejections, and I knew that news going into my fourth interview at Warwick and I think that was around February or March. So they did the interviews really late. So I was going into that interview being like, here it goes. This is my last shot in a way. But at the same time, also just, you know, trying to give it my best shot because that's all I could do. That was the only thing that was in my locus of control. So I went into the interviews and fortunately, I found out in a couple of weeks after that the interview actually went well. Warwick gave me an offer for a 2-1. So that meant all that I had to do was focus on you know, the grades. And for me to get a two one in my degree, because I didn't do that greatly in my first two years, I almost had to get a first equivalent in my final year. And the modules that I chose was, and the three that I chose were psychology and psychiatry of the mind, um, behavioral medicine, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and immunology was my third one. So, you know, I, I initially really didn't enjoy immunology. I was like, oh, I've drawn the short, short straw here. But what I found was interesting, and that's kind of changed my idea of how I look at things is, Sometimes we, I realise sometimes we come to the realisation of oh this is something I'm interested in based upon what we're drawn to, and sometimes by what we find easy. So specifically talking about immunology is that you know one of the reasons like initially I wasn't interested in it, but by putting in a lot of work, it eventually became something that was a lot easier for me to understand, and I got to the grips of like the fundamentals and everything. And once I was able to grasp all of that, I started enjoying it. Which then made me realise how many choices in my life would I have made previously where I've just, you know, thought I'm not going to enjoy something just because it was too hard. So that in itself was like a learning point for me in that year where sometimes the idea of following your passion or, you know, I can't think of any other cheesy terms that match that might mm-hmm. be might not be the best advice it might sometimes be you know you have to try something for an extensive period for you to try and get to a certain level at it for you to then decide whether or if it's something that you would enjoy or not um so that was just something that I took away but coming back to the story of how that final year went um fortunately my dissertation was went really well and that was that played a huge role in in the in the grade that I got
0: and it's like it's like with kids. This is a weird analogy. Swimming. The kids hate it at first. Everyone screams, and they don't like swimming, and they dread swimming lessons. Then, once I got a bit better at swimming and I could actually do it, I loved it, and I competed nationally and I did see my swimming. So it's like actually, if I had been two years old or like three years old, my parents have said, "It's fine, give it a rest," I would never have done everything I wanted to do and really enjoyed it.
2: That puts parents in a bit of a dilemma, though, doesn't it? It's like, so do you <laughs> you push the kids through that initial bit or? you know or do you kind of just allow the kids to kind of say this is what I want to be doing
0: I kind of heard that with medicine as well. Like my first year was really tough, and my parents obviously they knew how much it took to get there, and I was really struggling. And I think yeah. it was that similar thing whereby your medicine is such a steep learning curve. Yeah. I, I could barely keep on top and like keep everything in. Just too much pressure on myself to do really well. But then actually, as I said, like kind of third year is when it clicked. And I think that's purely because the the more I started to learn, the easier it got, and you making links between things. So I'm glad I stuck it out, even though at first it was really hard. But I think it's because of Where you are on that trajectory of like you start and it's really steep and then it kind of you get the skills to help you manage it and I think if you don't develop those skills unless you put yourself in that pressure environment.
2: So what would you what would your advice be for like let's say A level students who are just currently applying for medicine or thinking about you know whether it's something that because you know I feel I feel like a lot of students sometimes don't apply for medicine because they think it'll be too difficult for them or you know they put themselves off. What would you what would you advise them?
0: Everyone says it's hard, but. You are kind of equipped, and skills I've developed from it. I'm a completely different person to who I was when I started the course, and not in like a bad way. But I've developed so much more confidence, so much more just ability to handle pressure, pressure and stress. And I sometimes yeah, I think maybe I didn't need all of that stress, but actually coming out of it, I think I am better off for it. Um, and I say don't see it as a challenge, or don't see it as the challenge as a negative. See it as a positive, and see how much of an opportunity
1: you'll have to develop and grow as a result of it oh. yeah yeah I agree I think there's a, there's a quote in Harry Potter that is like there'll be a time where you have to decide between what is right and what is easy and I think it just really resonates with me because I think I went to a really crappy um, GCSE school and medicine was never a thing that anyone talked about it was always about getting in to do an apprenticeship and I felt always felt a little bit out of my depth because I was, I was wondering well should i be even considering going to university when people are telling me that i should be aspiring to do an apprenticeship and i think i knew it was going to be challenging but i think going in with that knowledge that okay it is going to be a challenge but you know what i am ready to tackle that challenge and i know i'm not going to be tackling that tackling that challenge alone everyone's going to be finding it hard and when you get to medical school even then everyone's always like oh my goodness i don't feel like i should be here i'm that one person that got into medicine by accident And getting into medical school and having all of these people around you that feel the same way and are all so struggling, it sort of brings you together and you realize that you're not the only person that has those problems and that you're not doing it alone and there are people around you to support you and help you get through those challenges. Yes, there'll be academic things that you struggle with, but someone else will find them easy. And the bits that you find easy, they might find hard. And that's when you share share your knowledge together and you work together so that you get the job done, like Bob the Builder said.
2: That's why I think what you guys are doing is actually a really awesome thing, because it's almost giving people a platform right now, isn't it, to share what's going on. So what we've talked about now might resonate with someone who's also having similar doubts, but it gives them that reassurance that they're not the only ones who are having those thoughts. And sometimes we might feel like we are the only ones who have those thoughts.
1: Okay, so Janardin, you got into mm-hmm. medicine on what attempt was it is again?
2: So this was uh, this was my fourth attempt. But even during even during medical school, so this is the interesting thing, uh, I took a year out of medical school again um, because there were a couple of other, like the financial reasons and so on, but I can't, I can't really put a pinpoint to a rational reason as to why I took it. All I can say is, is it was another gut instinct. If anything, it was during second year of med school, things were going really well. Placement was fine, uh, great, like, you know, I've got through first year, which was supposed to be the hardest year because what they do here at Warwick is they combine two years worth of like, the whole lectures and so on into one year. And then second, third, and fourth year were your clinical years of going into hospitals a lot more. And so, even at that point, things were going really well. And I remember sitting in a the lecture, there was just a point when I was just getting, like, listening, getting on with things. And then I just had this brainwave of, oh, should I take a year out? And I, do. I just, sat... yeah, as I, as I do. And it was just, it really threw me off because I was like, there wasn't really anything that uh, sort of like, made me think about it. But then I gave it some time, reflected on it all. And within a week, I had processed my whole. You know, year out application and got it all approved and I started my year out and the, the, the interesting thing about the timing of all of that was it was all done yeah like I said within the week but had, I, had it taken longer I would have had to pay for the whole year whereas this happened to be like midway where I only paid half of my tuition fees so there was that positive side of it and then even with the course it was like a natural break so things came about quite well and I didn't know what the exact reason was as to why I had to take the year out when my parents were like so what's your plans I had to make up a plan because I knew if I said (laughs) I don't have any plans I'm going to see how my journey unfolds I knew that was going to cause them palpitations so I told them well I'm planning to um, do a bit more like community health work and that's that's actually what I ended up doing as well so during that year out I spent a bit more time doing community health related projects within the Tamil community so within the Tamil community there's a lot of uh, there's a high prevalence of issues like diabetes or lifestyle related issues mm-hmm. and so I thought okay let's with what I've learned so far in medical school the first year and a half you know the tools such as making every contact counts I don't know if that's how it's taught in like your medical schools as well but it's almost like an approach of exploring health behaviors and trying to change that and I was like okay cool so I've got that tool I've got my understanding from behavioral medicine in my undergraduate course mm-hmm. um, let's just try and see if I can apply it already because there was this element of you know I wanted to start trying to make a difference yeah and so I, so I hosted quite a lot of community health workshops during that year found that really fulfilling to be able to apply what i'd learned in that uh, in that in that space and then also that was a year where um you know uh, where, where dr siva and dr kenley they all gave me the chance of hosting the uh, summer school and being involved in the actual designing and interviewing and like bringing about the team and that experience in itself was just so cool like you know working working on that and and to, and to know that i had that trust yeah. from medic mentor it's something that i've always that I, i'm always grateful for and i feel like once again that was a year where i was able to tr- grow those skills and also impart what i'd learned along the way in medical school even though it was a year and a half in no, yes finished a year and then a half halfway through second year there was still a lot that you kind of gained through medical school and it was just another point to reflect on it but the reason why i'm also grateful for that year out is so having done the summer school having done the community health workshop coming back in at the end of uh, halfway through second year at this point i had more of a focus as to what i wanted to go down the route of doing uh-huh. so prior you know during during the first couple of years i was going through medical school Like, okay focus for me is to finish med school whereas having enjoyed these projects that i took on i was like okay i can see that public health might be an interest that i want to go down the route of i also felt like gp was another area of interest that grew for me because a lot of the issues that we that i saw anywhere within the community could have been addressed on that level of primary Mm. care so gp and then emergency medicine so if people ask me now what is it that i'm hoping to go towards i mean i can't say this is exactly what it is i'm aware that i've got six rotations ahead of me to get more experiences as well but i'm if, if i was asked at this point i'd want to go into a career where i can combine gp public health and emergency medicine but having that insight was actually really helpful towards my final year of, year of application because i applied for the um uh, for the academic foundation program in public health because i wanted to explore that a bit more and here at warwick they had a second year rotation which actually included a rotation in gp a rotation in emergency medicine and the academic post was in public health so it ticked all of the boxes that i needed and i was like the the timing of these gut instinct stuff i couldn't really pinpoint it and then the other thing that made it even more trippy to a certain extent was that the year that i was originally in they had a lot of issues with exams at the end they had to the Uh. whole cohort had to retake because the papers were like so there were some sort of, um, issues with the papers, so they my friends who were in that original year they went through a lot of stress um, with that situation, and I somehow just was chilling at home at you know during during that period, so I kind of missed that side of it. And for me, I think I like it's difficult for me to I think reflecting back on the journey, there's tangible things that have come out of it. Obviously, the friends that have yeah. created the, the transferable skills I've developed and so on, but there's also like things on an abstract level or quite esoteric level of like you know the idea of trusting your gut um also not always having to do a pros and cons table and also just allowing yourself to be in the unknown and seeing how the journey unfolds and I know that I know all of this really sounds a bit but yeah so those ideas were something that I've kind of Mm. yeah that, that I've tried to practice going forward with a lot of things and And this isn't something that you can really teach i think you know that's that's what i've actually found difficult when people ask me about oh why did you take the year out or how did you you know make this happen i think sometimes we want a certain formula of like do this do this do this but the answer that i've been saying is meditate Mm -hmm. give yourself some time listen to your gut and that's and that's almost like not saying this is the set outline um and that's that's what also helped me actually with the afp application as well you know i feel i feel like it wasn't applied in the conventional way no. and for myself with not much research experience to get an AFP I feel like there must I must have got lucky in some sort of way um or like you know with, with the support with the support of I don't know divine intervention if you want to call it uh, it's, it's something that I've thought about so yeah so that that I felt like I had to talk about that year out because that was actually a big part of my uh-huh. medical journey
0: you know just listening to you it sounds like at the start the application process kind of controlled you then the more you went along you began to kind of control the process yourself like it could have been very easy just to like get into it and let it after all of those kind of blips to just be like right i mean i just need to stick it out but it's very interesting how you kind of went from being not in control to almost being so in control that you were able to take a step back to gear out and just think you know what i've got this perspective to make these decisions it's very inspiring
2: yeah, I mean, I want to put a disclaimer here. This isn't like my default being uh, like all the time. I wasn't like,
0: the,
2: you know, cloud nine. This is what's happening. I, uh, you know, I, it would be dishonest of me for me to say that this is how it always felt. There are times, you know, where I can get into a bit of a rut where I look back, especially, especially sometimes, you know, I'm turning 28 in a couple of couple of months. So in comparison to my other, to most of my friends who have been doing medicine as an undergraduate course and in terms of where they are at in their stages of their career in their personal lives and so on you know sometimes there are moments where i'm just like oh i feel like i'm late in the game here and i can be a bit hard on myself being like you know i haven't achieved everything that i need to by the age of 28 you know when i was thinking about what i would have done by 26 28 when i was like an 18 year old kid i was just i just thought i'd be further along so i do catch myself every now and then in that scenario of beating myself up of um being that i'm not where i want to be but at the same Mm -hmm. time those are moments where I just have to remind myself of what I am grateful for and the things that have gone. And so, yeah, I just wanted to put that out there because it's—it's it's not something that I think it's something that comes through daily practice of just being self-aware of self-aware and conscious of the thoughts that go through your mind. And whilst now I feel like I can quite easily talk about these things, it's—and it sounds yeah. like a simple practice. It can also be difficult at times. Um, So, yeah,
0: I think, yeah, you've got to make mistakes almost and not do those things to realise the importance of them and come to them, come to kind of those decisions for yourself. Because it's all very well and good. Someone telling you you need to do this stuff. But sometimes the best things come after making mistakes and realising, okay, fine, maybe I should have done that and then doing it.
2: Yeah. And the biggest thing I, I feel like also that supported me along this journey was just the support network. And, you know, when we think about support network, we immediately think of family and friends. But also at the same time the support network i think a great one that people have whilst they're listening to this is medic mental in itself and this isn't me trying to put like an like a bias plug-in or anything but i'm just generally speaking about my journey you know having been when i started um th- throughout throughout medical school i've been involved with medic Mentor in the first year second year and so on and when you put yourself what, I, what what's always stuck, struck me about medic mental is just the sort of people it attracts and it doesn't necessarily like, you know, we, we think about people who are successful in medical school as academically capable. That's one of the biggest metrics that we usually measure with. But there's other there's other metrics of success that we overlook, which is, you know, how how much of a positive person you are and just how, how pleasant you are to be around people. Those things and um, like the resilient side of it or the innov- innovative side of it. And like creativity there's so many different metrics that you realize are also important along this journey and for me being involved with Medi mental throughout those times was a way for me to also see the other people who are in medicine and sometimes if you feel like you can't find people who are of that similar mindset in your medical school it gives you a place outside of it for you to you know hopefully connect with other people who are like-minded and i think that goes a long way
1: yeah, definitely. I think one of the biggest things I learned when I was on work experience is that when you're talking to patients, they never ask you what grades you've got in your exams or where you go to uni. It's always like, "How is your day? Oh, you look like you've got a tan. Where have you been on holiday? It's always about just general things that you've done in your life. And one of the things that I look back on, I think, well, what have I done? All I've really done in these past few years of my life is sit down and revise for exams. I spend my time sitting in the library studying for the next thing. And I think that is something that I will always look back on and think oh should I take should I have taken a gap year or should I have done more in my summers so that I have things that I you know when I'm when I'm older when I'm gonna when I'm a granny talking to my grandkids I want to talk to them about the times you know where I went to Thailand and I like rode an elephant or something cool rather than just sitting down and studying for exams. Yeah. and I feel like even though um, at, at the time if you if you have um, missed your offer the first time you're thinking oh my goodness and there's that sense of that uh, just sort of despair that you get because honestly I thought I was going to miss all of my offers and I just had a mm-hmm. sense of despair before I went into my into get my results and I think if you do have that sense of despair that's absolutely fine because you know if you need to process that no one's going to tell you that it's it's absolutely okay when it clearly isn't but do just try and see the positives in it try and take that bad situation and go, actually, is this a blessing in disguise? What can I do with this this time that I've now been given to develop my skills further? This time where I might have been sat in uni in really boring lectures, 9 to 5, what can I do with this time that I didn't realise I would have before? So think about a little positive nugget you can take from a really crappy situation.
2: It's also interesting, isn't it, this narrative that we have of we need to have Done all of these things by a certain age. That's the other thing that I was picking up here as well, right? Is or sometimes when I've talked to students as well who are so hesitant about taking a gap year because they're like, "Oh, I'm going to be a year behind in my grand scheme of things." But like a year be- being a year behind, like in the bigger picture, isn't really much at all. And this might be unpopular advice as well, but I feel like you know, taking a year out of medical school in itself, there's a there's a few people that I know who have done that, and and if anything they've actually sort of. Gained a lot from doing that too. Yeah. So I think this idea of time—that's something that we need to maybe dissect as an individual as, as an individual—to try and figure out why or where am I first getting this belief that I need to have everything done by this certain period? Why am I putting myself under so much pressure about this? And to realize that everyone has a different timeline because medicine, as we've talked about here, is stressful enough as it is. On top of us adding our own stresses with our mm-hmm. own thinking and the own sort of limiting beliefs that we exactly.
1: have exactly amazing well okay well i think that's all the questions I have.
0: but you Kira? yeah i thank you so much i think honestly i if our listeners and like some of them do send make like amazing mind maps and they send to us i think they'll need like seven pieces of paper for this episode so good luck to you. if you've listened this far well done and we'd
1: love to see my maps <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much Jonathan.
2: No, thank you to you guys. I really, I really enjoyed this actually because it's not always that you get a chance to reflect back on the, like, you know, your journey and it also just makes you realise it gives you a lot of things to be grateful for and I think you guys have been excellent hosts in terms of the questions that you've posed and just how uh, welcoming you have been as well. So I'm truly grateful to both of you, truly grateful to Medic Mentor and grateful to the people who are listening as well. Well,
1: oh, thank you. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did find it helpful, please do share this podcast with others who may also benefit. Make sure you hit subscribe to be notified when our next episode is released and leave us a review if you're enjoying the podcast. And make sure to follow us on Instagram at How to Become a Doctor with Dr spelled DR for exclusive quizzes, behind the scenes content, and to stay up to date with all things How to Become a Doctor. Don't forget to follow at Medit 2 too to learn more about other opportunities to enhance your application. Please
0: do comment under the Instagram posts for each episode if you've got any thoughts, questions, things you like, things we could do differently, and what you'd like us to talk about next because. We obviously want to do everything we can to support you and let us know. And we are very receptive. That's all. So take care, guys. Have a good one. Bye.